Hello, my Zimmers and Spoonies. Thanks for coming and hanging out with me today. I am glad that you are here. Today, I'm going to be talking about my experiences with interstitial cystitis as an installment in the My Diagnosis series. I'm getting things back on track here. There are only two more that I plan to post for this series, so we're winding down to the end of this series. So what would you guys like to see for the topic of the next series? I'm open to suggestions, so just drop them in the comments for me. All right, let's start off where we always do with an explanation of the diagnosis. Interstitial cystitis is reoccurring pelvic pain, pressure, or discomfort in the bladder and pelvic region. Um, it's often associated with urinary frequency, which is needing to go often, and urgency feeling a strong need to go. Many describe it as feeling as though they have a urinary infection all of the time. Uh, cystoscopic findings show ulceration in the bladder wall. Uh, the cause of interstitial cystitis is unknown. So I was diagnosed with interstitial cystitis after I had to go on to a potassium supplement because my potassium kept dropping to critically low levels. Um, a few days after starting the potassium supplement, I thought I had the worst urinary infection of my life. I was in so much pain. Uh, but when I went to the doctor, my urine came back as not having an infection. And this led me to getting a urology referral. My symptoms were pretty classic for um, IC, so we decided to do the cystoscope and hydrodistension to have a look in the bladder and see if this would relieve some of the symptoms. The scope revealed that I had an extremely ulcerated bladder lining. Uh, lucky for me, the hydrodistension was helpful. It didn't reduce my symptoms to nothing, but it brought things to a level that was manageable. Uh, these days, I walk around with a constant feeling of pressure and fullness in my lower abdomen. Um, I have been on a pretty restricted diet for years, so there wasn't really anything left to call in the dietary world. Um, high potassium foods are a trigger for me, but I really can't do the avoiding potassium thing. So instead, I focus on trying to spread the potassium out over the day rather than taking it in large amounts all at once. Uh, so try also try to keep the amount of potassium I consume consistent day to day. And I have variable degrees of luck with that one. So looking back at my life, I have probably had interstitial cystitis for a very long time. I got my first urinary infection when I was a teen and have gotten them fairly regularly since then. Uh, they used to diagnose urinary infections without any lab work. Um, they used to base it just on your symptoms. The standards of practice has since changed. But back in my day, they did it just based on your symptoms. So now I wonder how many of those urinary infections were actually flares of interstitial cystitis. Uh, and there's no way to ever know. But I suspect that most, if not all of them, were actually um, interstitial cystitis flares rather than infections. Because since I've had the interstitial cystitis diagnosis, I have not once been diagnosed with a urinary infection because I've never had my urine culture out the presence of bacteria. Um, it's just will test positive for signs of inflammation. 
So this is a pretty common pattern with chronic illnesses. You deal with something for years and it's treated under various labor labels or sometimes without a label. And then you finally get your chronic illness diagnosis and you're left reflecting back on all those years with a completely different context. And in context of this interstitial cystitis, I wonder how much damage I could have prevented had I known there was an inflammatory process occurring in my bladder. So it can be frustrating to know that this process was happening over years and had it been diagnosed earlier, I might not have symptoms as severe now. I'll never know that, but that's kind of how the prognosis is. If you manage the inflammation, it doesn't tend to get as severe. Uh, so there is one thing that is unusual about my interstitial cystitis, and that is related to my pain. For most people, the pain is worst when the um, bladder is full and then it feels better after they void. For me, it's the opposite. My pain is the least when my bladder is full and it is worse right after I void. It can be so tempting to not void my urine because I know that it is going to cause me to have more pain for about a half an hour. Um, and well, longer if, well, I'm flaring. It can be unpredictable. But in the long run, I know that it is important to void regularly. I mean, you can't just keep it in there forever. At some point, your bladder will literally pop. Um, because my bladder literally is always telling me that I have to urinate, it is difficult for me to tell when I actually have a full bladder. Even right after I void, my bladder will report that it needs to be emptied. The only time this signal stops is when I am actively voiding. So my personal strategy for this is to void my bladder on a schedule. I simply ignore my bladder reporting that I need to urinate and instead void when it is the scheduled time. I aim for voiding my bladder about every four hours. This time comes from years of trial and error that led me to what time frame produces the fewest symptoms for me. And this is just one of the times that having a medical journal helped me sort out how best to manage my symptoms. This is one of those diagnoses that people really underestimate the impact it has on your life. The pain is triggered by sitting for too long, but if I stand or walk too much, I'll have dystonia symptoms. This means that the best position for my pain relief is to be laying down, and that's not practical. There's a lot of things that cannot be done from your bed and many things that are just harder to do while in bed. Not to mention that laying down all the time comes with a bunch of risks for your health and not to mention that my ADHD squirrel brain will never let me just stay in bed because I think I would explode. Uh, the thing is that this affects everything. Having to void my bladder every four hours means that my sleep is being disrupted or I'm having increased pain. That's the choice. If the pain gets too severe, my sleep will be disrupted anyway. Being on a diet to manage a chronic illness is challenging. The diet for interstitial cystitis is no different. For me, it means being aware of how much potassium is in my food as this is my primary trigger. 
And, well, there's just no fun in reading the labels of everything and doing math to calculate whether or not it's a good idea to eat whatever it is that you want to eat in that moment. Uh, but there are things that trigger my interstitial cystitis that I don't have much control over, if any. Uh, when my other chronic illnesses flare, it can trigger the interstitial cystitis. And it doesn't matter how good your care plan is, there will always be breakthrough symptoms and flares of your chronic illnesses. That's just how it is. So even if I am doing everything right to manage my illnesses, one of them is likely to flare. It might be the IC itself. But if it's something else, that means that my interstitial cystitis might flare as well. Just join the flare bandwagon. Sometimes they pile all on together. There is the reality that stress is a thing. Stress management can help reduce the effect of stress, but it's not going to eliminate the very real impacts that stress has on our bodies. And there is no avoiding stress because having chronic illness in and of itself is stressful and have you been watching the news lately yeah the world is stressful there's no avoiding that i am living in a time that there are two active pandemics while working as a bedside nurse while having chronic illnesses yeah that's stressful and there's no amount of mindfulness that's going to make the effects of that stress reduced to nothing. Not to say that mindfulness isn't helpful and that stress management techniques don't have value because they absolutely do. Any amount that we can reduce the effects that stress has on our bodies is meaningful and important, but it's never going to bring it down to zero. You know... There's so much about our bodies that we take for granted until those functions stop working the way that they're supposed to. <sighs> well, that's about it for my rambling today. Thanks for coming and spending some time with me. If you like what you're listening to, please consider uh, supporting the podcast. It really does help. And until we talk again, you guys take care of yourselves. Bye.